to the preaching and teaching ministry of Marion Oaks Assembly of God in Ocala, Florida. We invite you to open your Bible as we join Pastor Tim McIntyre for today's message for Bible study. We're continuing in our sermon series on the life of Jesus from the Gospel of Luke. We've been working our way through the Gospel of Luke. We've been at it for a little over a year, taking a break from time to time to do other things. And today we're actually going to finish up Luke chapter 9. I like to start with questions to get you thinking about what we're going to look at. Today the question is a little bit different because when I ask the questions, you're not going to know what I'm talking about. But it'll get you thinking along those lines. Here's the questions. What does it cost? Is it worth it? Can I afford it? Am I willing to pay the price? You ever asked those questions? We've all asked those questions, right? They apply to so many different aspects of life. They apply to big purchases. Uh, if we're on a strict budget, they may apply to small purchases. You know, going to buy a house. What you know, how much can we afford, you know, a, a car, uh, some other major purchase. We've all wrestled with the thing of the one that we really want is just kind of a little bit beyond reach, right? Can we afford that? Well, it's really a little bit more. I don't know why salesmen always have that ability to cause us to stretch a little bit farther, right? I won't ask for any confessions of how many of you bought something that you couldn't afford and it caused you all kinds of problems because we'd all have to raise our hands, be like an exercise class. We're all putting our hands up there, right? Cause us to stress. Well, is there any way we can make it possible? We can cut here. We can cut there. We can, we can afford it. But it's not just purchases. Uh, anything that requires a commitment. You know, it may not be a financial cost, but what is this going to cost me? If I commit to this, what's it going to cost me? You know, we just talked about the back-to-school event. We're asking you to commit some time to volunteer for our back-to-school event. Well, what is it going to cost me? Well, it won't cost you all that much, just some time. Although we hope you'll give to that event and the costs of it also. It's true of relationships. As you begin to develop a relationship, what is this going to cost me as we enter into marriage? Uh, if we're when we are, when we were at that point in our life, what is this going to cost me? Is it worth it? Am I willing to pay that price? Today we're going to talk about cost. We're going to talk about what it takes. The title of our message today is, I will follow, but first. I will follow, but first. Because we're going to talk about the cost of following Jesus. You know, the Bible is very, very clear that salvation costs Nothing. Salvation is free. It's a good thing because if it did, there's no way we could pay for it. As Pastor Nate said, as we entered into that time of taking communion together this morning, we don't deserve it and there's no way we can earn it. There's no way we can pay for it. That's why Jesus came and died on the cross to pay the price for our sins because we could not. So our salvation is free as we trust in him and what he did upon the cross to pay the price for our sins so our sins can be paid for and we can be in right relationship with God. But even though salvation is free, following Jesus is costly. Following Jesus is costly. And we're going to take a look at that today. As I said, the title is I Will Follow, But First. And that is actually a bit of a quote uh, from the passage we're going to take a look at here in just a moment. The story that we're going to look at today talks about three people who are facing a choice. Will I follow Jesus? And Jesus is very clear with them to let them know that it's not going to be as easy as they might think. You know, Jesus in another place will be dealing with in Luke down the line. I forget what chapter it's in, but oh, it's chapter 14. He's going to talk about discipleship again and he's going to tell people, listen, if you want to follow me, you need to count the cost. But the passage we're looking at today is actually three people that he challenges specifically, personally, to count the cost. So let's take a look at it. It's Luke chapter 9, starting in verse 57 through the end of the chapter. 
It says, as they, this is Jesus and his disciples, as they were going along the road, they're traveling along, people are gathering, people are following, people are kind of with them, probably meeting them. They know he's going from one place to another. But as they were going along the road, someone said to him, I will follow you wherever you go. And Jesus said to him, foxes have holes and birds of the air have nests. But the Son of Man has nowhere to lay his head. To another, Jesus said, follow me. But he said, Lord, let me first go and bury my father. And Jesus said to him, leave the dead to bury their own dead. But as for you, go and proclaim the kingdom of God. Yet another said, I will follow you, Lord, but let me first say farewell to those at my home. And Jesus said to him, no one who puts his hand to the plow and looks back is fit for the kingdom of God. So we have three people. The first one, Jesus didn't even ask to follow him. He just came up and said, Jesus, I want to follow you. And actually, this was the regular way that disciples would attach themselves to a rabbi to follow them. You see, Jesus and his disciples is not something unique to Jewish history. Jewish rabbis, Jewish teachers would have disciples, followers, learners, students, who in most cases would look a young man, unfortunately young women weren't included, and that's one of the things that Jesus and Christianity changed. But anyway, a young man would say, I want to learn more about God. I want to be a godly man. And so they would find a rabbi who they would see knew a lot about God and his word. But not only that, but it did such an impact on that person's life that it changed them. And they were a godly man and said, I want to learn everything they have to teach, not just knowledge, but lifestyle. I want to become like them. I want to know what they know. I want to be like they are. And that's how a disciple would then go to a rabbi and say, I want to be your student. Jesus kind of did it the other way most of the time. He called people to be his disciples, which happened from time to time in the Jewish culture. But in this story, the first one comes and says, I want to follow, I will follow you wherever I go. The other two are ones that Jesus actually approached and said, would you follow me? Whichever way it goes, they're all three considering following Jesus, being a disciple, being a learner, traveling with him, learning everything that he has to teach, becoming like him, carrying out his plan and purposes in the world. But they all have to deal with the cost. So today I want to talk about one from each of these people, three thoughts about following Jesus to help us consider the cost. If we're going to be a disciple, if we're going to be a follower of Christ, You know, our church's mission statement is that we as a church exist to help people become fully fully devoted followers of Jesus Christ. And if we're going to follow him, and, and some of us are at the beginning of our journey, maybe some of us haven't even started that journey, some of us are way along the journey, but this is still something that we need to consider because as we continue to to follow along after Jesus, these things are going to be true of our life with him. The first one is this. If I follow Jesus, it won't be convenient. If I follow Jesus, it won't be convenient. We see this in the first one. Let me reread that, even though I just did it a moment ago. As Jesus and the disciples were going along the road, someone said to him, I will follow you wherever you go. And Jesus said to him, foxes have holes, birds of the air have nests, but the son of the man has nowhere to lay his head. What's happening here? This fellow comes and says, I will follow you wherever. I'm all in. Wherever you're going, I am there with you. But Jesus wanted to make sure that he understood that this may not be as easy as you think because following Jesus won't be convenient. I don't know about you, but have you ever gotten all excited about Following Jesus, you know, uh, at an event, at a service, uh, on your own. It's like, Jesus, I really want to follow you. But in the back of your mind, it's like, God, Jesus, I will follow you anywhere except. You know, when I went to Bible college, there were a number of people. It's like, I'm following Jesus. That's why I'm at Bible college. But I sure hope he doesn't send me to be a missionary in Africa. 
you know, and that was just kind of like the thing that was out there. But, you know, we all have areas of our life where we may have reservations. Like, I, I want to follow Jesus, but I really hope he doesn't ask me to go here. Or I really hope he doesn't ask me to do this. Or I really hope that this is not part of it. So the wishing, the desire is right. I will follow you wherever. But Jesus says, make sure you know what you're talking about. Because following Jesus won't be convenient. That's a choice all of us have to make. Now, following Jesus and what he has for us, where he wants us to go and what he wants us to do is different for every person. In this case, the followers of Jesus literally left wherever they were and went with Jesus wherever he went. And even after he's gone, which they don't understand what's going to happen yet, but even after he's gone, it's going to require them to go all over the world. And so in this case, the guy that says, I'll follow you, they got to be really be willing because Jesus says, the people I need right now, they got to be willing to go all kinds of places. And that's still been true down through history for some. God still calls, Jesus still sends people to leave where they're at to go somewhere else to make a difference for his kingdom. We think most often of missionaries. We think of people who decide to serve God because they've been called to do so and nobody should do it unless they are called to do so, but to serve God full time in some kind of ministry, like a missionary or an evangelist. It's great to have evangelist Shemaya with us this morning. She's been with us many times. As an evangelist, a missionary, a pastor, those full-time callings. But I think we can be guilty of saying, well, this only applies to those kind of people. Okay, This only applies to the people that God's calling, that he's going to send somewhere else. they got to give their whole life, 100% of their time. But you know, it applies to all of us. Maybe it doesn't mean that God's going to send you somewhere else, but God wants to use you right where you are, and he may send you somewhere without you leaving home, but somewhere in your occupation, somewhere you know, in your family, somewhere in your community, to an event, to a relationship. And, and so he's asking all of us to consider that cost of saying, God, wherever, wherever, I'll follow you wherever. Okay, wherever you go, because the thing is, we're following Jesus. Jesus wants to get into every situation. Jesus wants to be involved in every situation. He wants to be involved in every relationship so that people can come to know him. And so we, if we're going to follow him, must say, Jesus, I'll follow you wherever. But it's not always convenient. My wife and I are involved in full-time ministry and have been really from the very beginning, because God called us to full-time ministry when we were young, her as a child, me, well, I, you know, when I was about 12 or so, somewhere in there. And so we prayed, Lord, what do you want us to do? Where do you want us to go? He led us to Central Bible College, which for us became Central Bridal College because we met there, got married. And every step of the way, we pray, God, what do you want us to do? Where do you want us to go? There are certain things that maybe we had a little bit of reservation, but we tried as hard as we could to say, God, wherever wherever you want us to go. And we've been a number of places and we've served in a number of different ways as youth pastors and associate pastors and 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 senior pastors and all that kind of stuff. And and God led us here 18 and a half years ago, and and, and we've always wanted to have that openness, oh, God, whatever you want us to do, and not just where you want us to go for specific places, but when we're there. God, what do you want us to do? What's the next step? Okay, what's the next thing? What what do you want to accomplish? And and it's just become a part of my life, and I ask my wife, to, Lord, what is your will? What is your will? And I challenge you to 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 take that on yourself if you're not already doing that. God, I want to follow you right here where I'm at. Whatever you have for me, what is your will? In our membership classes, uh, we talk about the history of our church and the different pastors that were here for different periods of time. And every once in a while, someone will ask me, well, pastor, uh, you've been here this amount of time. How long you plan to be here? And I said, that's up to God. We don't have any plans to go anywhere else because this is where God has called us. But if God were to speak to us tonight and say, hey, I want to send you somewhere else, we'd have to say, okay, God, take us through the transition. But he's not speaking that to us right now. So 
I'm just saying that that's kind of the, the attitude, the thought that Jesus is trying to say here, that we are willing for whatever it is that God wants us to do. Not just on the big areas, the big decisions, but the small things. When he says, I'd like you to speak to your neighbor. I'd like you to develop a relationship with your neighbor. I'd like you to get involved in this ministry. I'd like you to surrender this situation. I'd like you to give this time. I'd like you to give financially toward this need. I would like whatever it might be, say, Jesus, I will follow you wherever. But realize it will not be convenient. He follows it up by saying the son of man has nowhere to lay his head. He basically was saying, hey, listen, look at me. I don't have my own house. And I'm on the road all the time. Uh, I don't have the same bed that I go to every night. Now, there's absolutely nothing wrong with owning a home. In fact, most people do. Most people will. Absolutely nothing wrong with sleeping in the same bed every night. Most people do. But what he's saying is, in my case, the inconvenience part of it is that I don't stay any particular place. I have no major belongings, and I'm always on the road and... As I mentioned before, his disciples at this time are going to have to face a life very similar to that. They have to be willing to give up material comfort and worldly security. Jesus didn't live an easy or comfortable life. Now, I am sure that in the midst of that, this was not a life of misery for Jesus. I'm sure there's so much that Jesus loved about life. The fellowship and relationship with his disciples, the sense of purpose, his connection with God, his father, the knowledge that he was carrying out the plan of God that would lead to the salvation of all mankind, to those who would respond to what he would accomplish upon the cross. I'm sure there was much about Jesus's life that he loved and enjoyed, but it was not convenient. And the same thing is true for us if we choose to follow Jesus. There's a lot of things we will enjoy about life, and there's a lot of things we will enjoy about life specifically because we've chosen to follow Jesus. And we'll talk more about that at the end of the message when we talk about, well, why follow Jesus if it's going to be so difficult? But there's so much to enjoy, but if we truly follow Jesus, it won't be convenient. I think that there's also in Jesus' response this sense of this world is not truly our home. I mean, this world was not Jesus' home. He created the world. God himself, but he came to the world to accomplish God's purposes. And, and there's much teaching in the New Testament that, you know, when we choose to follow Jesus and we, our lives have been changed because we, we, we trust in his death for our salvation, we're choosing to follow him and, and that now this world is not our home. There's a lot of great stuff in this world that goes back to what I said about enjoying much of our lives because God created this world good. But then sin came in and messed up so much stuff. All the stuff that's messed up, all the sickness, sorrow, death, pain is a result of sin. And there's this spiritual battle going on and there's evil in this world. There's sin in this world. That's not the way God created it. That was brought in by sin. And when we surrender our lives to Christ and we choose to follow him, we realize that this world, uh, the word world is used in the Bible in a couple of different ways, but one of them is talking about this world system that is against God, this world system. It's not our home anymore. Paul writes a couple of times about you used to be part of this world. Now you're not. You're living in it. But you now have a citizenship in heaven. You now belong to a different realm. And so there's a sense here that because we live in a world that's not our true home and it's under the control and there's a lot of influence there by our enemy, the devil, and, and, and our flesh still battles against what's good and what's right, we're going to have to wage war. It's not going to be convenient. We're going to have to fight back in our own personal lives against anything that is not of God. So following Jesus... It won't be convenient. It won't always be easy. It won't always be comfortable. It'll require sacrifice. It'll require suffering. And so the question that we have to wrestle with, are we willing to go anywhere? Are we willing to do anything? Are we willing to sacrifice, to pay the price, whatever it might be, to follow Jesus, to do what he calls me to do? 
And what he calls you to do is going to be different than what he's called me to do. But am I willing? There's a lot of teaching that is out there, always has been, that loves to focus on the positive. God loves us. God blesses us. God wants to bless us. God wants us to experience victory. God wants us to have glorious experiences with him in this world. God wants us to go through wonderful things. And sometimes it's stretched and it's pushed even farther that God wants you to be prosperous. He wants you to be a hundred percent wealthy and healthy and wise and all that kind of stuff. And there's a lot of truth to that. But many times people make those kind of, uh, teach those kind of things and they totally ignore the fact that, yeah, God loves us. God wants to bless us. God wants to meet our needs. God wants to work in our lives. God wants to bring us victory. But it's going to be in the midst of battle. It's going to be in the midst of struggle. And we're going to have to go through difficult times. You know, Jesus never beat around the bush. He says, in this world, you're going to have trouble, but I've overcome the world. So he says, come along with me because we're going to make it through the other end and be victorious. This whole story we're looking at today is an example of that. He's he's not saying, hey, come follow me. We're just going to have a great big party. He says, you want to follow me? That's great. It's going to cost you something. It's not always going to be convenient. That's why some people, quote, leave the faith. Maybe you were one of those. I know some of your testimonies. You talk about how you chose to serve Jesus earlier in your life and then later on you just kind of walked away from that whole relationship and did all kinds of whatever, whatever, whatever and then eventually came back. You may be here today, you may be watching online and that's where you're at. You're kind of on that away from Jesus uh, trek, (laughs) put it that way. Jesus told a parable, we already studied it in, in Luke, a parable of the soils where he talks about God's word like a seed going, being planted in soil and different responses. And one of the soils was very thin, shallow soil that when the seed's planted, it springs up quickly because it's very moist, you know, and, uh, but then when the sun comes and the difficulties are there, the plant wilts and it fades away because the roots can't get deep enough to maintain nourishment and, 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 and water. He says, that's the people who say, hey, I'm going to follow Jesus. I'm going to. And then before you know, when difficulties come, they're gone. That's why some people do that. But I'm going to be honest with you. Whether you choose to follow Jesus or not, any security that we think we have is very fragile. You know, we're really blessed. Most of us in this home either own a home, and if we don't, we have some place where we can stay that's relatively comfortable and it's out of the elements and we have shelter. Most of us have more than one change of clothing. Most of us have already eaten something today and we'll probably eat again. And you know, those things are not true of many people in our world today and many people through history. We are so blessed and we may feel like we are secure, but you know, ultimately our security is very fragile. There's any number of things that could happen that would just yank that away. And it's not a threat. That's not saying, oh, I got to live in fear. In fact, God doesn't want us to live in fear. If we're following him, he's promised to take care of us no matter what comes our way. Whether some kind of world economic collapse or something is, is appropriate for us in Florida here as a major hurricane or whatever, our security is much more fragile than we want to believe. And any comfort that we have is only temporary. And as I said, this is true for all people. Not just followers of Jesus. But it can be more difficult for followers of Jesus because of the extra pressures, the extra things that we may have to face. And so why follow Jesus if it's going to be so inconvenient, perhaps? Well, we're going to deal with that before we get to the end. Let's go on to the second one here. If if I follow Jesus, he must be my first priority. If I follow Jesus, he must be my first priority. Look at the second guy. We already read it, but let's read it again. To another, Jesus said, follow me. But he said, Lord, let me first go and bury my father. And Jesus said to him, leave the dead to bury their own dead. But as for you, go and proclaim the kingdom of God. What is Jesus saying here? What what, what is really happening here? I mean, this request of this man... Seems very logical. It seems very humane. It seems very like, why is this a big deal? His father, you know, you just read the service. It's like, my, my father, I've died. I want to go bury him. It's, Can I just take a couple days out for the funeral? But we have to understand that's not what's going on here. At that time in history, in their culture, 
Okay? If somebody died, you buried them the same day. Unless it was late in the day and you'd do it early the next morning because they didn't have the means that we have to keep bodies from decaying as quickly as they would want to do, especially in that climate. And this young man is coming to Jesus and he's saying, you know, Jesus says, follow me. He says, well, let me bury my father. The idea of burying your father, burying your parents was a very, very important responsibility in their culture, especially for the firstborn son. So this guy's probably the firstborn son. It was not only a, an important responsibility socially, but it was spiritually and, 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 and to the family. It was a family obligation. A lot of weight, a lot of, a lot of importance was attached to this. Even in the Jewish religious structure, making sure your father got the right burial was considered one of the most important things you could do, spiritually speaking. And the way they would do it is that when someone died, as I said, they would bury them as quickly as they possibly could. And they had certain ways they'd go about that, but the body would lay there for a year in the tomb till the flesh had decayed, and then one year after, the firstborn son would go and would gather up the bones, and they would put that those bones into what is called an ossuary box, which would then be placed with all of their ancestors. So what is actually happening here? Chances are one of two things has happened. Either this young man's father died at some point and was buried and he needs to wait till the year is up so he can fulfill his responsibility to take those bones, put it in the box, put it with the ancestors, then he'll be free. Or it could be that his father hasn't died yet at all. And he's saying, I've got this responsibility as the firstborn son. I'll follow you, Jesus, but let me finish my responsibility to my father. There's virtually little chance at all that his father had just died because if that was the case, he would not be there with Jesus. They'd already be having the funeral. But it doesn't matter which, which way it goes. Because basically what he's saying is, Jesus, I want to follow you, but first. That's exactly what he says, but first. Why was he so concerned about this? Well, this was tradition. This was expected. This was a family responsibility. I need to fulfill my duty to my father. He may have been concerned if he didn't, he wouldn't get his inheritance. It could be that he was concerned that his family would disapprove, which they most certainly probably would. So what is the point that Jesus is trying to say here? Is he saying that honoring our parents is not important? No. When you look at all of Jesus' teachings, you can see that there are several times that Jesus specifically said that honoring your parents is tremendously important. And there's other teachings in the New Testament about our relationship with our parents, between parents and children, the, the importance of that relationship of honor and of respect and esteem going both ways. So what is Jesus trying to say? He's saying, honor and respect for your parents and fulfilling your responsibilities is great, but if you're going to follow me, I've got to be first. I've got to be first. I like this quote. I don't know where I got it from. I found it in my notes. It says, we should care for our family out of obedience to Jesus, not instead of obedience to Jesus. You know, sometimes people say, well, if I choose to follow Jesus... Um, it's going to make my relationships worse. No, if you really follow Jesus the way you're supposed to, it's going to make your relationships better. If you truly follow Jesus, you'll be a better son or daughter or mother or father or husband or wife than you probably ever have been if you truly follow Jesus and do what you're supposed to do. Because he created those institutions. He created those relationships. He, he's given instructions on how we can do that. So there's nothing wrong with honoring and taking care of parents and nurturing relationships. It's just they can't be more important than following Jesus. And, you know, there are people that still face that today. Maybe you've experienced that, uh, choosing not to follow Jesus or waiting because you knew that it would cause problems with your parents, cause problems with other people in your family. My wife and I were very fortunate in that our families, our parents were Christians. And so when we chose to follow Jesus and even go into ministry, they had an understanding of that and, but I know of, have known of many people through the years that that was an issue. If I choose to follow Jesus, it's going to cause a problem. 
causes problems in marriages when neither follow Jesus and one chooses to. It can cause, anyway, a lot of problems. That's one of the reasons why the Bible says, before you make the choice, if you're a follower of Jesus, make sure you marry another follower of Jesus. Don't be marrying somebody that's not a follower of Jesus. Your, your whole life, your whole focus, your whole agenda is so totally different. If you're really following Jesus, there's no way you can make it work in a marriage if your spouse doesn't follow Jesus. But I probably ought to clarify real quick. But Paul says, if you're already married and one of you is following Jesus and one of them's not, don't split it up on that purpose because you can have an impact on their life. It may be difficult, but go ahead and leave it that way. Jesus has to be first. Jesus says, let the dying bury the dead. That's not some kind of macabre statement of, you know, people who resurrect out of the grave so they can bury people who have just died. It's just basically saying, let those who are spiritually dead, who have no desire to follow Jesus, who have no relationship, let those people take care of these kind of responsibilities because responsibilities of following me are much more significant. So this guy basically says, I will follow, but there's something I want to do first. And before we move on to the third and last one, I want to ask you, what is your first? Because maybe you are wrestling with a first. Jesus, I really want to follow you. In fact, I've committed my life to you, but I'm not quite all there yet because. I want to follow you, but first. I want to follow you wholeheartedly, but first I got to take care of this. I want to follow you wholeheartedly, but I'm not yet because first I want to experience this. I want to follow you wholeheartedly, but not quite yet because first of all, I want to do this and maybe you won't approve of that. I want to follow you wholeheartedly, Jesus, but I want to get the fun out of the way first. I want to follow you, Jesus, but I want to live life my own way, so I'll wait till the very end and ask you to come into my life right before I die. Sounds kind of silly, but it is very serious. A lot of people live their life that way. It's dangerous. You can think you might know about when you're going to die, but you never know. It's not a threat. It's just life and death. It can happen at any time. Let me first... What's your first? Have your fun, do something with your finances, do something with a relationship, with a career that you don't think Jesus would approve of. Or What is your first? I want to follow you, but, but first. Let's go on to the third and last one here. If I follow Jesus, I must leave the past in this world behind. If I follow Jesus, I must leave the past in this world behind. Verses 61 and 62, yet another said, I will follow you, Lord, but let me first say farewell to those at my home. And Jesus said to him, no one who puts his hand to the plow and looks back is fit for the kingdom of God. Again, this sounds like a very reasonable request. Jesus, I'll follow you. Let me run over to my house real quick and tell everybody goodbye. I don't think that's what's happening here. And the reason I don't think That's what's happening here is because of what Jesus says. He says, no one who puts his hand to the plow and looks back. The the, the idea here, the the context seems to indicate that this person says, I'm going to follow you, Jesus, but oh, I got got this thing holding on to me back here. he's, He's having a hard time leaving the past behind. He's having a hard time leaving the world that he's been a part of behind. And so I think what Jesus is saying here is that, you know, If you're going to follow me, you've got to leave all that behind. You can't let anything hold you back from whatever I have for you. He says here, no one, it's it's kind of a a little picture truth. If you put your hand to the plow, you can't look back. You got to keep looking forward. Back then, if you were plowing a field, you would have one hand on the plow, you'd have another with a stick to kind of urge the, the, you know, the donkey or the goat or, or whatever animals pulling the plow with, you know, and you keep your eyes straight ahead so you can make sure that when you plow that furrow, it's straight. Because if you're doing that, you got one hand on the plow, you got one hand with the stick, the goat, and then you look over your shoulder, you start pulling, right? You know, I know this happens to me every time I plow a furrow, furrow. Now, I've never plowed a furrow, but I can tell you what I have done. I've cut my grass. I cut my grass every week. And I usually cut my grass before my neighbors do. It's not a competition thing. It just happens that way. 
And there are no fences on either side of our yard in the front. And I can tell you that this is one particular place that I, you know, that there's a fence in the backyard. And so I'm going along the fence and I'm getting to the end of the fence. And it's like, okay, I want to go straight. You know, I want, I want it to be straight. And so I'm looking and I am looking at something across the street. And I am aimed toward that, and I just really carefully go until I get the mower to the street, and then I look back to see how good I did. I've never gotten it perfect. But I can tell you it was a whole lot worse when I got partway there and I look back for something, <laughs> and it's like, oh, I got all off track. Not only that, if you cut your grass and look back, you might run over something you shouldn't run over. But that being said, I think we can all relate, right? Looking back can throw us off. And Jesus says that can happen in our lives. He's not saying here we have to cut off all relationships. We have we can never go back home. He's just saying make sure there's nothing in your life that is holding you back. Nothing that is dragging you down. Nothing that's like an anchor to you. I'm very quick to throw this in. This is not an excuse to get a divorce from an unbelieving spouse or one that's hindering you in your Christian walk. That's a whole different topic, okay? But he says if you... Want to follow me, you must leave the past in this world behind. It's sort of like driving while staring into the rearview mirror. You can't do that. So if I follow Jesus, I must leave the past in this world behind. I can't live in two worlds. I, I must leave behind anything that holds me back. Can I tell you some of the most miserable people I've ever met are people that are trying to live for Jesus and live for the world at the same time. Makes you, makes you miserable. Because you know you're not truly pleasing God, but you're not having all the fun you think you might like to have too. It's just miserable. Just miserable. You know, it's interesting, these three stories, these three accounts, illustrate something that Jesus had already taught his disciples earlier in the chapter. It's only, it's in the same chapter, but it's actually probably been weeks, maybe even a couple of months. But back in Luke 9, 23, Jesus is talking about what it means to follow him. And he says, if anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. We talked about that a number of messages ago, and it basically just means to say no to myself and yes to Jesus. And I'm going to do that every day. I'm going to surrender myself and everything I have to God for his purposes, no matter what the cost may be. The title of the message today, I will follow, but first. The two guys that said that basically were insinuating, Jesus, you're not first. I I want you to be, maybe eventually, but right now you're not first. And I can't help but believe that maybe God brought us to this place in Luke today because some of us are wrestling with the same thing. I want to follow Jesus, but there's something else I'm letting get in the way. And today I believe God's saying, listen, surrender that thing to me. Whatever it is would determine uh, you between you and God what you need to do with it. But he might be drawing your heart today and say, I don't want something else to be first before him. I want him to be first. I said along the way, this can cause people to ask, if following Jesus costs so much, then why should I do it? And some people say, You're right. That's why I don't do it. It costs too much to be a Christian. It costs too much to follow Jesus. I'm not going to do it, or at least not right now. But let me just tell you why we should. The disciples wrestled with this. There was one time Jesus was giving some really hard teachings. It's in John chapter 6. And it says that at the end of these hard teachings, a bunch of people stopped following him. And Jesus asked his disciples, he says, are you going to leave me too? And Peter spoke up as he often did. He says, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. You see, the main number one reason we should follow Jesus, even though it can cost us something, even though it may be difficult, is because he's the only one that has the words of eternal life. He's the only way to, to, to God. He's the only way to a relationship with God, to, to having our lives put back on track couple of other times Jesus is talking to his disciples about following him and in fact there's a story of a rich young ruler you may remember that 
And, she, and he says, what do I got to do to have eternal life? And Jesus, they go through a whole conversation. And Jesus says his heart was moved to the guy. He says, listen, why don't you just sell everything you got? Give it to the poor. Come follow me. And it said, the guy said, the guy just couldn't do it. He couldn't give it up. He couldn't give up his wealth, his influence. And Jesus launched into this teaching about how it's really hard for people that have a lot to just surrender to God and then choose to follow him. And, and Peter speaks up and says, well, God, we gave everything up. Jesus, we gave everything up. What do we get? And Jesus' response was basically, you're going to have some really hard times, but there's going to be so many blessings for you in this life and in eternity. So as we wrap this up, let me just tell you why we should choose to say, I'm going to follow Jesus even though it costs a lot. Even though it's inconvenient, even though it means putting him first, even though it means cutting ties to things that hold me back, why should we follow Jesus? It's the only way to have a relationship with God, now and forever. It's the only way to be free of the sin that brings bondage and judgment, both now and forever. It's the only way to fulfill the purpose that God has for us, which will result in a life of significance, victory, fullness of love, joy, and peace now and forever. And there are so many promises in God's word, and we preached on this recently, that whatever negatives that we have to deal with, and some of them are pretty tough, it can't even begin to compare to the glory and the rewards that God has for us in eternity but some here in this life also it's interesting that the final response of each of these three people is not recorded what did they do? did they walk away and say oh well Jesus okay thank you for pointing that out I think I'll just do my own thing or did they say you know what Jesus that's important that's interesting I appreciate your point but you know what I'm determined I'm going to follow you Okay, I'm going to put aside my butt first, okay? I'm just going to say I'm going to follow you. I'll go ahead and let somebody else handle the family responsibility of my dad whenever that happens. I'm just going to follow you, Jesus. Maybe there was a mixture. Maybe some followed, maybe some didn't. But the important thing isn't so much what they did then as what you do today. As you've heard this word from God's word, how will you respond? Will you follow Jesus you might be here today you might be watching online and you've never chosen to follow Jesus and maybe the reason why you haven't is because you know it's not going to be an easy life but today God is speaking to you and saying today is the day to surrender your life to Jesus Christ maybe you did surrender your life to him at one point and you kind of just drifted away from that and you're not following him now and for whatever reason you're here or you're watching or you're listening and God's speaking to your heart and saying listen why don't you come back I know you left because of pain I know you left because of difficulty I know you left because of whatever it is that you left because of but I love you and I'd love to have you follow me again or maybe you're like me and you say, you know, I really am trying to follow Jesus. I really do what he wants, but I struggle sometimes with my flesh. I struggle sometimes with decisions. I struggle with really just being totally, completely, 100%. And we're in good company because, you know, even Peter was there. The night Jesus was betrayed, Jesus tells Peter, listen, you're going you're gonna to abandon me. He told them, oh, we're going to abandon. Peter says, I won't. He says, no, you're going to abandon me. And Peter says, no, I will follow you, whatever it costs. And Jesus says, I know you think so, Peter. This is a paraphrase. I know you think so, Peter, but before tomorrow morning, you're going to deny me three times. And he did. But Jesus didn't throw him out. He didn't reject him. He doesn't for us either. He looks at our hearts. I want to follow Jesus. Let's all stand together. To wrap this service up, I first of all I want to ask, are you here today? And you say, I'm not a follower of Jesus, but today I want to be. I've never surrendered my life to Christ. I've been doing my own thing for whatever reason. And that may not even be a bad thing. You're just doing your own thing. But the Bible says that we are all sinners separated from God and the wages of our sin is death 
which means eternal separation from God, not just physical death. But the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord because he died on the cross to pay the price for our sins. And that we can have that eternal life, we can have that gift just by asking God, just by accepting that gift, just by saying, Jesus, I want to surrender my life to you. I ask that you please forgive me of my sins. I recognize I'm a sinner. My sins separated me from God. I recognize that. And I ask you to forgive me because of what you did for me. And I want to choose to follow you. And if that's you today, say, I want to follow Jesus. I've not been, but I want to follow Jesus. Would you just raise your hand up? I'm going to pray for you. You say, you're going, to, you're going to ask me that right in front of everybody here? No, Jesus is talking to these guys right in front of everybody there. So you're going to follow me or not? Maybe say, that's me. I want to follow Jesus. And if you want to say, you know what, I followed Jesus at one time a whole lot better than I am now. I really drifted off course. Today I want to make a new commitment. I just want to really recommit to following Jesus with everything I've got. Anybody? Many people. Many people are saying that. How many of you say, you know what, I'm really trying to follow Jesus. I really am. But I just want to do a better job. That includes me. Say that's you. If any of those of you, I just want to invite you to come down. Just come on down. We're not going to spend a half an hour or anything like that, but I want us to have a prayer together. I want us to have a prayer together. Say, Jesus, I want to follow you. And Lord, it's not always easy. It hasn't been easy if I've already been to it. It's not always, but I want to follow you, Jesus. I want to give it everything I've got. I need some wisdom about what that means and how what that's going to look like. Jesus, I want to follow you wholeheartedly. Give it all. Go ahead and come. Go ahead and come. Many people still come. Many people still come. Okay. All right. Father God, we just come to you right now. And Lord, this has been a heavy message. Because Lord, you never beat around the bush. Father, we come to you right now. And Lord, we just say, Jesus, I want to follow you. I want to follow you. Some of us maybe have been doing it better than others at this point in our lives because we've made that choice before and we're making some effort anyway. Some of us may have made that choice and we've walked away from it, Lord God. Some of us are, are never made that choice before. But God, today we say, I'm, I'm responding to your word. I'm responding to your call to follow you. And I want to do that with all my heart. And so God, help me because it's not easy and I mess up. But God, I thank you that like Peter... When we mess up, if we keep coming back to you, Lord, God, keep surrendering that stuff to you. You're going to help us to get back up, dust ourselves off, and go forward. And we'll serve you better tomorrow than we did yesterday. And Lord, that's all we ask. Help us to serve you better today than we did yesterday. And tomorrow better than we do today. God, you know the specific things in our lives that come between us and you, those specific things that are the first, let me first, those specific things that we have a hard time of letting go of, God, show us what we need to do with those things, how we need to handle those things, and help us to serve you, Lord, with a freedom, with a freedom. Thank you, Jesus. one more thing before we close in prayer if you're here today and say I need someone I want someone to pray with me would you just raise your hand because I want to have our elders staff to go out and do this so elders prayer team could you come and look I see Junior has her hand raised anybody else you want, you want someone to pray with you to commit your life to Christ to you have a specific need Anybody else you'd like to have someone pray with you? Okay. All right. I see several people over here. 
I tell you what, if you want someone to pray with you, just stay here. The rest of you go on back. The worship team's going to sing. We're going to take another couple minutes. If you got to go, go. But we're going to ask God to touch these people's lives, okay? So we're going to close in just a couple of minutes. But we're going to pray for those who have need today. And in just a couple of minutes, we'll close in prayer. Can we give him praise right there? Do we thank you, Father? That above all things, you went to die for us. God, the word that was brought forth this morning came with power and authority. And we pray, Lord, that we will receive it and not just receive it, but apply it to our lives, God. God, we will choose to follow you first, no matter what the cost is. We leave everything behind, all our sorrows, our hurt, our burdens, anything that might be hindering us. We lay it down at your feet, Father, and we choose to follow you. God, we pray that will be our declaration this morning and forevermore. Father God, we give you praise. We give you honor and we give you glory. Now, as we leave this place, God, we pray that you would go before us, protect us and keep us. Let your grace and mercy shine upon our face every day. We pray, Lord, that we would be a light in this dark world to everyone we meet, to everyone we come in contact with, that we'd not just be Sunday and Wednesday Christians, but that we will be Christians every day of the week, following as you have given and instructed us to do. We ask all these things in Jesus' mighty name. And we all say, Amen and Amen. We hope you've enjoyed listening to today's message or Bible study. For more information, please contact us at area code 352-347-3001 or visit us online. If you are interested in supporting this ministry, go to our website and click on the online giving tab. Our website address is www.marionoaksag.org. 